Good afternoon. Thank you for calling Honey Roasted T-Shirts. How can I help you today? No, ma'am. We don't make T-Shirts. Now, I understand it's confusing. Well, the point is that we don't. We don't, but if we did, they would be Honey Roasted. Okay, yes. You do the same. And have a Honey Roasted day. Honey Roasted T-Shirts, this is Jay. How can I make your day fabulous? Ah, yes, a podcast. Uh, which podcast are you referring to, sir? The j Club? Oh, sir, don't worry. Nothing that appears in the journal extras will be on the exam. No, 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 that's just Jay flipping through his journal, reading his notes raw. Yeah, purely optional. You don't have to listen, you don't have to remember. Well, sometimes it's a journal entry relating to something discussed in the episode. Sometimes it's something new. Other times it's just a window into the literal, unpolished journal writings. N no, I don't really know why he does it. I, I could forward that message to him. Okay, then what is your question? Oh, in the last episode? Uh-huh. Oh, yes, I can see how that would be confusing. So, he wasn't always writing in complete sentences. So, yes, I'm pretty sure when he said offered sexual favors, he meant he was offered sexual favors by a prostitute, not that he was the one offering sexual favors. Yes, it's a bit ambiguous, but I'm pretty certain that's what he meant. Okay, I'll forward the question on. Okay, thank you. Have a honey-roasted day. Honey Roasted T-Shirts, this is Jay. How may I help you today? No, ma'am. Oh, you don't think the sound effects are authentic from the year 2000? I'll have to check on that. I'm pretty sure he did not have a recording device with him on his trip and had no plans of making an audio story of his travels 20 years later. Yes, I agree. Well, the sounds, they're literally from Bangkok or Phnom Penh, and, but they're probably recorded sometime in the last five to ten years. Okay, I'll pass on the word. I hope that doesn't ruin the experience for you. I'm just not sure it would be possible for him to get audio from the same year, day, and time that he was there. Okay, I'll put in your request. Oh yeah, I'm pretty sure that explosion sound was not the actual grenade he threw 20 years ago. Okay, all right, bye-bye. Honey Roasted T-Shirts, this is Jay. You'd like some sort of Q&A? Well, isn't that what we're doing right now? You're asking a question and I'm giving you an answer? Okay, I see your point. I will forward on this suggestion. Honey Roasted T-Shirt, this is Jay. Ah, uh, yes, you're asking about the J-Luck Club podcast. Oh, a question about the date. Mm-hmm. Oh, in the last episode, when Jay was reading the email, there was actually no date. Okay, I will let the team know.
I'll forward that on. Thank you. No, no. Thank you. Okay. But have a great day. Thank you for calling Honey Roasted T-shirts. How can I make your day incredible? Oh, you'd like to become a member of the JLet Club? Yeah, just listen to the show, ma'am. Yep, no charge, no cost, just listen to the show. No, we don't have local chapters. Meetings? Well, I mean, each episode is kind of like a meeting. No, we don't have membership cards. Well, ma'am, I don't think there's a need for a secret handshake because membership isn't closed or exclusive, so there really aren't any secrets. Oh, if you want to stop being member, well, just stop listening. No, I can't make you forget what you've already heard. Okay, yes, ma'am. These are really great questions, uh, and I'll be sure to let the membership committee know, but I really need to get going. I've got a show to do. Yeah, yeah, I'm actually running a bit late. Okay, all right, you too. Have a honey-roasted day. Whew. Hello and welcome back to all of you great members in good standing of the J-Luck Club, presented as always by Honey Roasted T-Shirts. I apologize for running a bit late, had to work the phones in the customer service department. Before I call this meeting to order, I'd like to check in with all of you. You doing okay? You good? You surviving? maybe even thriving. We don't have time to go around one by one and share, but make sure you check in with yourself. Pause. Take a moment. How are you doing? Some of you are worried I'm going to take this how are you doing and turn it into a what are you doing or another why, what's your purpose rant. That's not what I'm doing. Just want to check in, see how you are. If you want to drop me a line, head on over to honeyroastedtshirts.com, send me a note. Don't call, though. I've uh, been working the phones a bit too much today. This episode is dedicated to Brad Pitt. Brad, buddy, be Pitt. I apologize. I decided to pass on you for that movie role. We decided to go in a different direction, and, well, I think it's best I play myself. No hard feelings. Things are going to be okay for you. They're going to work out just fine. If you enjoy this podcast, I'd love to hear your thoughts. If you don't, well, keep it to yourself. I'm a bit too fragile right now to take the criticism. However, I would love it if you would subscribe or rate us on iTunes. Or if you think there's someone else who would enjoy this series, tell a friend. Tell five friends, and have those five friends tell five of their friends, and have those five friends tell five of their friends, and on and on and on. 
But here's the thing. Here's the most important thing. For this to work, make sure everyone is telling different friends. If you're telling the same friends, the same group, so if you tell a friend and then they tell a friend, but that friend is you, then that just sort of gets us a, a circle, a loop. And that's not what we want here. We really don't want a loop. We want a pyramid. Grow that pyramid. Side note, to all my friends at the Federal Trade Commission, I'm talking to you, Harold. This is not a pyramid scheme. It is not a scam. No money is involved whatsoever. That's right. JLUC Club membership is entirely free and currently open for enrollment. Don't forget to check out honeyroastedt-shirts.com for more pictures and extras. You can also skip all that and go directly to thejluckclubpodcast.com or simply find this podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We've made it all this way and I haven't yet reminded you that I am Jay. And if you're still confused as to what this J-Luck Club thing is all about, well, let me tell you. 20 years ago, I found myself wandering Asia, and I kept a journal of my time on the road. I also sent out occasional status updates to friends and family. I was rereading my emails and journal entries and decided I'd like to record my thoughts and perspectives all these years later. And 20 years seemed like a nice marker to motivate me to do so. I'm happy to have you here with me as I remember, relive, and reflect upon that journey. We have a double header today. Not one, but two emails coming at a transition point in my trip. When we last left off, I had just spent a couple of great weeks in Thailand, arranging travel to Nepal, mud wrestling with a motorcycle on the island of Koh Chang, and generally happy with how my journey and my life had been going. My ticket to Kathmandu included a night in Bangladesh, and though it would only be for a matter of hours, I was excited at the opportunity to see a new place. So with that, I take you now to an internet cafe. Okay, I actually don't remember where this one was. Probably Kathmandu, though possibly I snuck in a quick section in, in Pokhara. I don't know, eh, somewhere in Nepal. Date, Sunday, October 1st, 2000. From Jay Schneider. Subject, Seven Years in Tibet. If this is the second time you're getting this, oops. I often start these mass emails with some sort of comment that this is the English version, which I'm sure impresses friends and family back home who immediately assume that I also send out a Japanese version every bit as detailed and moving as witty as this list. Humor me here and concede me on this point. Well, I should come clean that I do not, in fact, grace my non-English-speaking Japanese friends with such sure-to-be-classic-one-day literature. Any Japanese friend who speaks even the slightest bit of English receives this same bit, and upon reading it are convinced they can't understand English at all. That's okay, I say. My English-speaking friends don't understand me either. That's not to say I ignore my friends in Japan, but my Japanese messages are usually the English equivalent of this. Hi, now I am at Bangkok. Fun. Food's good. Tomorrow I go Cambodia. Fun times I am enjoying, aren't we? J. And now on with the English version, which I have this time titled 
Seven Years in Tibet. I just finished reading Heinrich Herrer's Seven Years in Tibet, and in my journey to Bangladesh, I felt I was living what I just read. Of course, it wasn't seven years in Tibet, it was more like 13 hours in Bangladesh. And I wasn't an escaped German POW looking for a political asylum. And instead of trekking and climbing through the mountains for almost two years before reaching the capital, I took a plane in about two hours. And I didn't have to sneak in, be threatened on numerous occasions to leave, and beg and plead to be allowed to stay. I was quite welcome to come. And I didn't befriend a god-king such as the Dalai Lama, but the shotgun-toting guard at the airport and I did exchange a brief glance, and well, I think we really shared something there. And of course, when I make my movie version, I don't think Brad Pitt will play me. I'll play myself, thank you very much. So how'd I get this far, you may ask? Oh wait, I already told you I took a plane. Still, let's back up a bit. I was preparing to bid farewell to Bangkok yet again. I don't know how to explain it. Why I am forever drawn to the city. What keeps me coming back? Perhaps it's the canals and the rivers which are the streets and boulevards of the city. Maybe it's the non-stop action and the lights of a city that never sleeps. Then again, it could be my safety deposit box which has all my money. Whatever the reason, I knew while being tossed around in the back of an airport-bound minibus as the maniacal driver swerved through traffic, I knew I'd return. Someday, before my money runs out and I need to get more. I arrived at the airport a couple hours before my flight was due to depart, hungry and in need of a toilet. I don't know why I felt it was necessary to share that with you. You can imagine my delight when I discovered my flight was delayed two and a half hours. At least I had a good book, there was internet access, and pizza! I can't begin to describe the feelings I was experiencing as I bit into that first slice. My first slice of such kind of a pizza in about a year and a half. A year and a half for the love of God! Yes, there is pizza in Japan, but well, no, it's not that I don't like corn and mayo on my pizza. It's just that, well, there's something about American-style greasy pizza. Sitting in the airport pizza hut, I embraced the man next to me. Although he didn't seem to appreciate my tears on his shoulder or the blowing of my nose in his new silk tie, he seemed to understand I was having a moment of insanity and failed to give me a beating. He did, however, give me his tie. The flight was bouncy, and I don't mean caused by air turbulence. As we rolled down the runway for takeoff, I had flashbacks of the great Cambodian highways. To distract myself, I read an in-flight magazine and appreciated the letter from the president of the airline explaining his goal for the next year would be to have the flights run on time and improve the professionalism of the employees. Best of luck, I thought, as the dinner tray was tossed in my lap and a can of warm soda thrust into my hand. There were seven of us with the stopover deal. Two of us managed to slip through customs, just keep walking, in search of our bags, before later realizing we weren't supposed to have slipped through customs and worked our way to a special desk where they took our passports and arranged for our transportation to the designated hotel included in the ticket deal. We watched the bats fly around the waiting area and a sense of togetherness developing among us. Three Japanese, one American, that's me, one Norwegian, and two Germans some heading for London, others Delhi or Kathmandu. Different nationalities, different destinations, but one thing we shared. Cheap-ass tickets. Bangladesh Air, I love you. Because of the delay of the flight, and the delay of, well, quite frankly, I don't know, we sat in the waiting room forever. By the time we actually bedded down, it was 3 a.m. Those going to Delhi had an 8 a.m. flight. The van would pick us up at around 11 a.m. We were free to walk around and explore the neighborhood. I woke up at 8, nature was calling, 
and I saw my roommates asleep. I felt like I needed another 10 hours of sleep, but I was in Bangladesh and I certainly wasn't going to miss a chance, even for a quick stroll around the block. No matter how tired, no matter... The phone rang at 10 a.m., informing us that breakfast was served, so we all ate quickly, showered, packed, and loaded into the van to the airport. Bangladesh, I'll never forget you. Note, I've been having some technical difficulties, so sometimes you may receive messages twice, or three times, or four times, or not at all, because the first time the server told me it was unsuccessfully sent. Anywho, apologies for overflowing inboxes needlessly. Okay, so even I'm sick of my English version references, but I think I finally got it out of my system on this email. For those of you who have been paying attention since the beginning, my airline ticket from Japan to Thailand included a couple-day stopover in Seoul. While not enough time to see much of what the country had to offer, it was definitely a bonus for me to get a glimpse of a new land. So when I found the good fortune in that travel agent barbershop in Bangkok of a plane ticket which included a stopover in Bangladesh, I was excited to take advantage of this bonus opportunity. In the end, unfortunately, due to multiple flight delays, the plane didn't arrive until quite late, and then after a long, slow process at the airport, well, I guess it just wasn't the trip for me to explore Bangladesh. But my roughly 13 hours in Bangladesh still added color to the journey. So at this point in the series, some of you may think I have a thing for parodies. In my last episode, I read... Goodnight Kaosan Road, my take on Margaret Wise Brown's Goodnight Moon, for example. An even better example, the title of this podcast is The J Luck Club, very much inspired by the book The Joy Luck Club, and well, okay, fine, yes, I do have a history of parodies and silly songs dating back over 40 years, but that's really not what's at play here with the title of this email. Okay, yes, that may be a factor, but clearly I didn't have the confidence that titling this email 13 Hours in Bangladesh would be enough for the audience to understand the parallels to Seven Years in Tibet. So I actually just titled it Seven Years in Tibet, and well, okay, I'm off track. My point, and I do have one, is that it just so happened that week in Bangkok, I had been reading the book Seven Years in Tibet, and even managed to catch the movie one evening at a backpacker cafe on Khao San Road. So it was more that the story was in my consciousness, and well, this is a very long way of me saying, I read a lot of books on the road, and that's what I'm going to talk about. Over the course of my travels, I always had at least two books stuffed into my pack, and that didn't include the requisite lonely planet for whatever country I was in or heading to. Fun fact, I'm pretty sure the India lonely planet is at least 50 pounds. Used bookstores were sprinkled throughout the backpacker's trail, with the chance to buy, sell, and trade books at every stop. Some books were well-worn and well-read, but priced aggressively. Other times, desirable and high-demand titles cost an amount which equaled accommodation and food for a week. And certainly, a portion of the books available were clearly poorly pirated copies with laughable quality. Sometimes I'd pick up a book from a series, then it became a challenge as I traveled to see if I could find the rest of the set. I remember the exhilaration of finally finding a specific title after many weeks in many countries. It was a victory. I read fiction... Classics, popular bestsellers, trashy novels. I read nonfiction, history and culture. And once in India, with my rupees running low, but many days of train travel ahead of me, I found a bookshop with Soviet-era books in English at an extreme discount. Yeah, I read a lot. Travel provides a great opportunity for reading, 
Long train rides, waiting for a bus, sitting on a beach, bungalow in a hammock, pre-bedtime reading in a Himalayan hut atop a mountain. Wow, so this is what life was like before smartphones. There's no need to waste time debating that reading is a valuable and enriching part of life. However, yes, get ready for it, I was also very aware of my, say it with me people, purpose. What did I want to get out of my experience? One of the wonders of reading is that you can be transported to another place, time, and world. But that's just it, isn't it? What if it takes you away from the very place you want to be experiencing? What if it takes you away from your present? So I did read a lot, all sorts of genre and type, but I made a conscious effort to also choose some books which had to do with where I was. Sometimes history, just like when I was in Cambodia, to give some depth or background, Sometimes fiction, but still set in the country or region in which I was traveling. So even as I got lost in a book, I would still be in the greater world of where I was. But then again, that wasn't a hard and fast rule, just a guideline to maintain some balance. Anyway, when I chose to pick up seven years in Tibet, I knew there was a chance I may head to Tibet after Nepal, but I probably picked it up because it was just something I hadn't read. And more honestly, it was probably offered at a low price. There's no shame that many of my literary selections were based on economics. But lest you think Brad Pitt is my go-to actor when considering stand-ins and understudies for the role of me, prior to leaving Bangkok, I also watched the movie Seven Years in Tibet, which I had also not previously seen. So on Khao San Road, as well as many haunts on the backpacker trail, many cafes and restaurants will show movies to attract customers. Some are well-known popular titles, others new releases, and still others very new releases, as in camera recording from a movie theater and occasionally people in the audience stood up and ruined the shot. So having been out of the U.S. for three years, I'd missed out on a lot of movies, and I occasionally took the opportunity to catch up and fill pop culture gaps. So when I finally did return to the States, I'd be at least partially culturally literate and able to catch some of those references and quotes that everyone was making. Once again, this was a balancing act. When passing through Bangkok, I may be in town for a number of days, taking care of logistics, laundry, preparing for a new adventure, and it was a good time to watch a flick over a meal. However, when exploring some new and exciting place on Earth, watching a movie was definitely not a priority, except in India, where I saw an epic Bollywood film. More on that in a future episode. So as usual, my rambling leads to a familiar place. What are you doing right now, and why are you doing it? Whether it's books or movies or even music, it can be dangerously easy to create an environment which may shield you from the environment that is actually there. I mean, I love good music, and when lying in a hammock on a beachside bungalow, sipping on a fresh fruit shake and listening to the sounds of the waves crashing, there's nothing better than having a favorite tune to add to the experience. Life is good. But invariably, you can go to any beautiful beach island in the world and someone will be playing Bob Marley. I mean, do we have to make all islands a romanticized Disneyland version of Jamaica? Now it's time for me to talk about my safe deposit box. Okay, so you know that throughout my travels, I would comment how I left my heart in Bangkok. Well, I also left a lot more, like the bulk of my travel funds. These days, when most people travel internationally, there's no need to worry about carrying excessive amounts of money because you can just use your bank card to withdraw money in the local currency. And admittedly, this was fairly true when I was on my trip, though at the time, 
while large cities had banks that could accommodate foreign bank cards, you still had to plan a bit more than you would have to today. However, when I left Japan, I closed down all my bank accounts. Similarly, it had been years since I had an account in the U.S. So when I left Japan, I was carrying all the money I had in the world. Those of you who have been on this ride from the beginning may remember I said my plan was to travel till the money ran out. Well, this was the money of which I spoke. And I wanted to truly spend the money for my experience, not just lose it all in one go. So while it would have been possible for me to set up a bank account in some other country, I opted for a more simple approach, less paperwork and red tape. My first day in Bangkok, I got a safe deposit box. And in that box, I left my money, save for the amount I would take to last me on the next leg of my journey. On the odd chance you are one of the few who has not listened to Zip Flash Zip 100 times and memorized every word within, I talked about a money belt in which I carried large bills, a passport, and maybe a plane ticket. I also carried the key to my safe deposit box. And to be honest, if push came to shove, that may be the thing I would have protected beyond anything else. The day I got the box, they didn't have any more of the small-sized ones, so I had to get a medium the size of a small coin locker, so it allowed me to put other things in it, such as pictures I developed, uh, a few trinkets I picked up in one country but didn't want to carry with me. I think I stuffed a sleeping bag in there for a bit. Each time I passed through Bangkok, usually my first full day in town, I'd make a trek to it, restock on money, and reset for my next phase. I would usually stop once more before leaving Bangkok, perhaps to drop off pictures I'd developed while in town, or maybe if I'd recalculated my budget for the coming leg. My first time to the location, I took a taxi. It was in a part of town with which I wasn't familiar, and it just made it easier. However, once I discovered that the river taxis had a stop nearby, you remember, the same mode of local transportation I highly recommend anyone take when visiting the city? Once I discovered that, it turned a necessary errand into a pleasant excursion. Also, it was a great welcome back to Bangkok as I rode through the canals enjoying the sights of Wat Arun and Wat Po from the water. The walk from the ferry stop to the building was a number of blocks and it meant passing quite close to some neighborhoods where women would come up to me offering massages. I don't want to say their offer was a scam, but when they said full body massage, I'm pretty sure they were only planning to focus on specific body parts. Anyway, I was able to navigate the streets and the women without issue and get to my destination without delay or distraction. I'll have more to say about my safe deposit box in a future episode since it did create a constraint on parts of my adventure, but you'll hear about that soon enough. Before I get into my next and closing email, a quick reminder that there was usually quite a delay between the activities I was doing and the email updates summarizing those adventures. For example, when I arrived in Kathmandu, Nepal, I had a couple days before I went off on my two-week volunteer camp, followed by a three-week trek, and well, by the time I had a pause to write an email, as well as access the internet, many weeks may have passed. So, I may have just returned from an awesome river rafting trip, but I had to jump back remembering what it was like arriving in Kathmandu six weeks earlier. Perhaps that's unnecessary info, since in the end it's all linear to you, but when I comment, I now take you to an internet cafe in uh, some country, but the content is about my time in another country, well, that's why. When passing through Bangkok, where I had already been and usually spent a few days focusing on resetting myself and transitioning, it was easy to pop into an internet cafe and write up a summary of events, but upon arrival to a new destination, as much as I wanted to share all the amazing feelings and experiences, I wasn't about to waste precious time sitting in front of a computer screen when I could be out exploring the new streets around me. 
I had been in Nepal a few weeks before there was a real brief break and I stumbled across some slow and expensive internet. I was not near a major city for this one. The email I'm about to read was more of a, hey, I'm still alive, but won't update you for another few weeks kind of message. Anyway, I take you now to an internet cafe somewhere else in Nepal. Date. September. From Jay Schneider. Subject. Jay's mailing list. Namaste. The connection is very expensive and very slow, so this will be a short and sweet, and I'm not writing individual messages. For those of you on the mailing list, look forward to exciting tales of the latest on the Nepali Maoist revolution front and songs about lentil and rice. For those of you who are not receiving the mailing list, if you order now, there's a 50% discount and you will get the swimsuit issue. And finally, for those of you who can't read English, this will be one heck of a shock for you. So I'll write again both mass mail and personal messages in about three to four weeks. As for my plans between now and then, I'm not telling because that'd spoil the fun. I'll leave you with what subscribers are saying about this list. Brilliant, marvelous, sure to be a classic in the field of email travel writing. From Jay Schneider. Two thumbs up, way up. From Jay Schneider. I've spent hours reading and rereading each installment. It's almost as if it were me who had the experiences. From Jay Schneider. Please don't send me any more mail. My mailbox is constantly filled with your crap writings about things in which I have absolutely no interest. I don't even know you or how you got my address, but if you don't stop harassing me, you'll hear from my lawyer. Name not given. Honey, don't you think it's about time you came home? Be sure to get to bed early, wear a sweater at night even if you don't think it's cold, stop playing with grenades, and for God's sakes, it wouldn't hurt you to call once in a while. Susan Schneider, Mother I have been reading and enjoying Jay's emails from the start. They're so good, I think everyone should give Jay lots of money so he can continue to support his travel habit and bless us with his laugh-out-loud stories from Jay... Anonymous fan. Failure to deliver message. Reason. Address does not exist or server is not accepting mail. From Mail Delivery System. So keep those comments coming and I'll write again near the end of October. So at this point, I was only seven weeks into my journey. I had experienced so much in that time but I felt I was just getting warmed up. And in fact, I was. Well, actually, as I head to Nepal and North India, I was entering the coldest portion of my entire journey, but I think you know what I mean. I was just getting into my groove. I'd already gotten what I wanted from this adventure, yet in reality, it was so much better and more than I had imagined. The first episode of this journey, I talked about honoring transition, and at this point in my travels, my life in Japan was definitely in the past. I was fully living my present life, not knowing what my future present would be. When I first wrote those emails, I didn't have a plan, but over time they evolved, took shape, and became key markers in my journey, points at which to pause and capture some of the highlights. With this podcast, I did have a plan, but almost as soon as I started, that plan quickly went out the window. Originally, I thought I'd read an email and share a crazy story about being attacked by a dog on the streets of India or almost causing a massive rock slide in the community where the Tibetan government in exile resides. There was no plan for intro segments or getting all preachy about life purpose, but that's what happened. 
So with these episodes, much like this point in my journey, I do have some general thoughts on the direction I want to head, but much like my journey 20 years ago, I'll be open to whatever comes up, and I'm kind of curious to see where things go. Only certain of the uncertainty which lies ahead. For some pictures, the emails, and other extras, head on over to honeyroastedtshirts.com. Once again, a big thanks to Honey Roasted T-Shirts for their support. Honey Roasted T-Shirts, they don't make shirts, but if they did, you can be sure they'd be honey roasted. Are you a member of the JLUC Club? Would you like to be? If so, please subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. You can find it on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit honeyroastedtshirts.com or even thejlucklubpodcast.com. Coming up, I'll be spending two and a half months exploring Nepal, India, and while I ended up not crossing into Tibet, I did spend 10 days hanging out with Tibetan monks in the town where the Dalai Lama's government in exile resides. From mountains to deserts to whitewater rapids, South Asia had no shortage of awesome experiences. So come along with me. There's more to this ride. If you listen to this podcast, or if you've read the emails or visited the blog, maybe you left me a five-star review. Or maybe you've just heard me tell that story about that time I found myself unintentionally shirtless at 17,000 feet. Well, if any of those have happened to you, you just might be a member of the J Luck Club. Thank you for staying tuned to Journal Extras, where I flip through some pages, maybe read a few notes raw, direct from my journal. Okay, so I wanted to get a book somehow connected to Nepal. This book, Seasons in Heaven, is about the movement between 1965 and 75 when hippies, freaks, and nonconformists headed to East India, Kathmandu, and the region. It was a collection of people's recollections, stories, and diaries, and it was pretty bad. Self-important people who think what they did was so cool and anybody else is just posing. It was crap, really. So now I'm on to Bill Bryson. September 12th. On to Bangladesh. Wake up earlier than I'd like. Pack up. Hard to do with all my clothes at the laundry. Mail pictures. Boat to safe deposit box. Make a drop. Taxi back. Gotta check out by 12 p.m. Pick up laundry. Pack. Check out store bag. Get some visa pictures. Finally. Read. Eat lunch. Picked up by airport van. Driver, maniac. Airport, bathroom. Sea flight is delayed two and a half hours, though not in the bathroom. Pizza Hut, so, so good. Two Japanese want to exchange US money with me. I don't really need US money now, but sure, why not? Free meal because of the delay. DACA, sneak past customs to pick up bag, then informed to go to transit. Wait. Give up passports. Bats in the airport. Two Japanese and I will go to Kathmandu. Four others will go to Delhi. It's humid. 
Get to hotel, shower. 3 a.m., sleep. Wake up around 10 a.m., so much for exploration. Eat breakfast, off to airport. Yeah, I think I'll leave it at that. All right, see you guys next time. Thank you for staying tuned to Journal Extras. None of this will be on the exam.